0: right, well, good morning again, New Covenant. Good to be with you guys on this freezing cold uh, morning. Man, I wish the weather would make up its mind. I like the cold, but I just don't want it to be 70 and then 28 and then tease a snow and then no snow. Anyway, um, hey, we've already welcomed in our South Campus joining us. I want to take a minute and welcome all of our family joining us online wherever or whenever you are watching this. I want to give you the same opportunity I gave South last week. Come on, North. Let's tell them how much... We love them. We love you so much. Grateful you're joining us today. There's nothing like being together as a body of Christ, and uh, whether through technology or in person. But I'm just telling you, there's nothing like being together in person. You know, you've heard about this a lot. We're in a time of 21 days of prayer, which is why I've been leading us in some prayer during our transitions and worship, and taking some time to do that together. Like you heard, this is the last week of us doing that corporately together. Um, but really, I hope you don't stop doing that at home. You know, we're, we're creating a space and a time for you to come at 6.30 a.m. to create these spiritual habits in your life that are going to really transform your life this next year. If you'll continue to give God the first of your day every day, I promise you, you will end the year at a different place than you started the year. And I just want to encourage you to keep going in that. Our fast this week is a food fast, and so maybe you've already been doing that, but I want to encourage you to stay strong in that as well. And like you heard, we are culminating that on Friday in what we're calling presbytery services. And so I thought I'd take just a minute at the beginning here to kind of let you know a little bit more about what that is. There are two services at 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. at our South Campus. And those services are a time where we're going to come together, we're going to worship God. You know, for 21 days we have been seeking Him, we've been asking Him to speak to us, seeking direction. And so at these services... There are some people who the elders have selected to hear from these people coming in who are prophetic. These people coming in that move in the gift of the the prophetic, they don't know who they're talking to. They don't know the names. They don't know anything about these people. So they're just really hearing from the Lord. And then after that time in the service, they will turn to people who are there in the service and do something called words in due season. And if the Lord speaks to them for anybody who's there they'll get a word as well, and so I just want to encourage you to come with some expectation that God is going to speak to you, whether through someone else, or he just may speak to you being in that environment of faith, and so I want to encourage you to come to one of those services if you can be a part and let your faith be built as we've been going through this time together as a family, Uh, but that'll be 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. this Friday at our South Campus. This will not be streamed online, so you just got to come in person if you can be there. All right. Today we're going to continue on our series on more. More is the word that I believe God gave to me for our church and for our body this year. And really the scripture he gave me with that is Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 and 21 that says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. I, this verse fires me up every time because I do believe that not only is God able to do more, like this scripture says, but I believe He wants to do more in your life than you could ever ask or imagine. Sometimes I think it's easy for us to go, Yeah, I know, God, you're able to, but do you know how much He wants to do more than you could imagine? He wants to blow your mind with what He is capable of doing, and not so you can just go, Look at all the things I have. He even says, It's so that He gets the glory in His church and in Christ Jesus. For generations. See, God is going to get his glory. It might as well be through us, right? And it's not through our power, it's through his power working in us. And my, one of my favorite parts of it is it's for generations. See, God is a generational God. And my heart for our church is that our church would be a generational church where God continues to show his work from one generation to the next, that the church continues to grow. The capital C church grows because people are focused on the generations to come sharing what God is doing that's what he is doing in our church, and that's what he is going to do for generations to come, and so if you have missed any of uh, the messages so far, I want to encourage you to go back, because we've talked about How God can take what very little we have and how we may think it's little and insignificant, but if we put it in his hands, he's able to do more and multiply it and do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And I promise you, there are things in your life this year you think are small and insignificant. And God is saying, trust me with them, put them in my hands and watch what I'll do with them. And then last week we talked about how God will do more if we create space, if we create margin in our life, that he'll fill the space we create with whatever he wants. And so we talked about creating margin in our life. So god can pour his oil into the spaces of our life that we create for him And I just believe those messages will encourage you and build your faith for what god wants to do if you've missed them But today I want to talk about a gift I want to talk about a gift that jesus gave to us It's the gift that keeps on giving it is a gift that many people don't even know is available to them It is a gift that many times we forget we even have and to share that gift with you, I'm going to go to Luke chapter 11. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 11, or you can follow us on YouVersion. In fact, I would encourage you to open your UVersion Bible app and go to events and pull up the notes there, because I got a lot of them today. I mean, I have a lot of scripture, I have a lot of notes, and I would encourage you to take notes, because you're going to have to go back and look at some of this. Um, but Luke chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus is teaching how to pray. He's telling people how to pray and to be persistent. And in verse 11, he says, you fathers, if your children ask for fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? And he's like, oh, of course not. I mean, think about that. Like if your kids ask for sustenance, if your kids ask for some good food, are you going to put something crazy and scary and dangerous on their plate? He's like, of course you wouldn't do that unless you're, unless you're a bad father, you know, unless you're crazy. So he goes on to say in verse 13, he's like, of course you won't. But if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, everybody say this, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What Jesus is saying here is he's saying, if we know how to give good food and good sustenance and good gifts to our kids, how much more will your father give you the gift of the Holy Spirit if you will ask him for it? See, the Holy Spirit is the gift of God to his church. He is the gift from God to us. Jesus would talk about the Holy Spirit so much in the New Testament before he would go to heaven. He spent all this time telling his disciples, hey, one day I'm not gonna be here. I'm gonna tell you about the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you about who I'm sending. And we're gonna look at a number of those scriptures. But if you go to Acts chapter one, this is after Jesus has died, he's resurrected. He is going about the earth, walking through walls and just appearing to people and doing all kinds of miraculous things. In Acts chapter one, it says, verse three, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. He was appearing to them for, for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. First of all, Jesus always talked about the kingdom of God. It, it was what was on his mind and his heart the most. And he says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John the Baptist, or John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not so many days from now. So what Jesus was saying is, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I'm about to go, but I'm telling you, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. I've been telling you about the Holy Spirit, he said. I've been telling you of what's to come. And really the book of Acts, if you've never read the book of Acts, you need to spend some time this year reading the book of Acts. The book of Acts is literally the acts of the disciples and the apostles and the acts of the Holy Spirit as the church was birthed in the earth. It's a powerful book, but he tells them, go and wait. And so the disciples, like us, like we can often do, we we miss what Jesus is kind of saying in that moment. And so they're like, yeah, or is this when you're about to restore power to Israel and build this kingdom again? And he's like, no, you get it wrong again. It's not about the government I'm trying to build here on this earth. It's not about earthly power and earthly kingdoms. No, I'm trying to tell you it's about the kingdom of God. And he goes on to basically say, I've got a power that's higher than every power here. In verse eight, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And then in verse nine, it says he just ascended up to heaven. He just floated right out of there. I mean, just gone. Just, we would watch him go up. This is incredible to me because some of the last words that Jesus said before he went to heaven was, yes, I'm gonna give you a mission, but go and wait. He was basically saying, I want you to wait because there's more. You know how like when you're watching an infomercial and it looks like it's about to end and they go, but wait, there's more. This is what Jesus was saying. I know you got a lot you want to do in my name, but wait, there's more. There's more. And it's not gimmicky. The more is the power of the Holy Spirit that is coming to you in this moment. And I just felt like God was telling me for our church this year is that he wants us to have more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And as I thought about that, it's like, it's a good gift. He's the gift of more to us. Why don't more people want the Holy Spirit? Why don't more people access the gift of the Holy Spirit? And I thought, okay, well, maybe it's because they've seen a scorpion or a snake put on a plate. They saw a bad presentation of something scary and weird, and that's not who the Holy Spirit is. Jesus actually cleared that up. No, he's not a scorpion or a snake or something weird. No, he's a good gift. He's a good gift for you. Then I thought well maybe it's because of some misinterpretation of the word holy spirit. Now this is one of my pet peeves because the King James version translated holy spirit to holy ghost. And I, and that's just not an accurate translation. It's, ghost is not a good translation of the word holy spirit. So my the worship team knows here and they they got to get on to me and I let up a little bit, but I used to not let them sing songs with the word holy ghost in it. I made them change it to spirit, but it doesn't rhyme as much, but but you hear people say, I want a dose of the ghost, and it's just weird. They just make it weird, right? He's not a ghost. He's not weird. He's not scary. The translation is actually this. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. And, and in both cases, when the word Holy Spirit is used, it is ruach in the Old Testament in Hebrew and pneuma in the New Testament. And both words just mean the breath of God or the wind of God. He's not a ghost. He is the breath or the wind Of God. And in fact, you you see that in Acts chapter two, I'm not going to read it, but you can go look in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost after they had been waiting in this room, like Jesus said, he was like, go wait. So they went and they waited and they gathered together and they were staying there together. And the Bible says that it came like a sound like a rushing wind. Why did it sound like a rushing wind? Because it's the wind of God. It was the breath of God entering into that room. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and that there appeared to be these flames of fire or tongues of fire resting on their head. Now, this is not weird as well. It's significant because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would lead the children of Israel by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He was guiding them by this fire. And in the temple, the fire rested at the altar, representing the presence of God. Now, because of the Holy Spirit, what was significant here is the fire now rests in us and on us. We're temples of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, which means his presence and his power and his fire are in us. It's not only in the temple of God, it's in us who are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What a significant and powerful thing that happened. So if the Holy Spirit is the gift of more, why don't we access him more? I mean, Jesus said, this is good. He's good. And he always used the language of more when talking about the Holy Spirit. In fact, in John chapter 7 and verse 37, he's, he's on this last day of this feast and he's in the temple and he cries out, it says in verse 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, verse 39 clarifies what he's saying. Now, he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, which we we talked about in the book of Acts, for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What was he saying? He was saying, I, I will fill you. I will, I will fill every thirst in your life. If you come to me, you're not gonna thirst after anything anymore. But if you receive the Holy Spirit, not only will you no longer thirst, but you're gonna have rivers flowing out of you, right? Jesus is living water inside of us, but the Holy Spirit is living water flowing out of us and through us and recharging us and refreshing us on a regular basis, See, we were never meant to be reservoirs that just hold this living water. We were meant to be rivers who give out this living water. He's the gift of more. That's the language of more. Rivers are more coming in and through you. And I'm so thankful that we can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do in our time together is I want to talk to you about who the Holy Spirit is. And I really could spend four weeks on this. I could spend four weeks and do an entire series on this, but I want to... Give you more of a high level view, and if you're taking notes, um, I want to encourage you to write it down the way I'm putting. It. And if you're not taking notes, I would encourage you to take notes because people who take notes are closer to Jesus. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I see some notes. I see some notes. <clears throat> but I want you to write them down for later because I think and I think it's going to be important for you to pull back up. And I phrase these in such a way of who the Holy Spirit is, so you'll personalize it to you. Okay. So if you're taking notes, here's the first thing that the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is my source of power. He's my source of power. Now, we read about that in Acts 1-8, that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, and we often say, well, yeah, I'll receive power to be a witness, to share my faith, to, be a, to go out and spread the gospel. And yes, that is a part of the courage and the power you receive from the Holy Spirit. But you also receive power from the Holy Spirit to live a life of faith, to walk out what God has called you to walk, to live holy and righteous before him. You need the Holy Spirit for the power in your everyday life. See, too many people walk around powerless today. They live their life powerless to overcome sin. Well, I'm just a sinner. No, you're, you're a sinner saved by grace to live in power. Amen. Not to stay stuck in those things. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. People walk around powerless to the attack of the enemy. I just, just, he's just beating me up again. Well, don't let him. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. They walk around with no boldness and no courage. They walk around slumped over instead of standing up like a child of God. Because we have the Holy Spirit, we can have power for our everyday life. And when talking about being filled with the Spirit, I think it's very interesting. Paul uses some fascinating language. And by the way, the Holy Spirit's through the entire Scripture. He didn't appear in the New Testament. He was in Genesis 1, hovering over the deep. He was constantly throughout the Old Testament. So the Holy Spirit's been around the whole, he's God, he's been around the whole time. And he's a he, not an it, okay? I don't have time to do teaching on that, but he's not a ghost, he's a person. Okay. But Paul uses some fascinating language in Ephesians chapter 5 when talking about being filled with the Spirit. And I think this is another reason that people kind of get this a little bit um, messed up when they talk about the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me read it to you, Ephesians five seventeen and 18. Paul says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what people do is they'll read this and they'll think, don't be drunk with wine, be drunk in the spirit. That is not what the Bible says. It doesn't say to be drunk in the spirit. Let me explain why to you and why that language is very important. Because what Paul is saying here is people get drunk with wine because they're looking for a source of courage, right? They call alcohol liquid courage. It's also called a spirit, ironically. So he's saying, don't be drunk with wine because you're, either you're trying to drown some sorrows or you're trying to get courage and boldness and feel some power in your life, to feel powerful or to feel some sort of spirit inside of you. No, instead be filled with the spirit. And the reason it's filled versus drunk is because when people get drunk, they get out of control. When you get filled with the spirit, you gain self-control. It's a fruit of the spirit. So when you get filled with the spirit, you don't get out of control. You get in more control. When people get drunk, they lose clarity of their thoughts. They make poor decisions. When you get the Holy Spirit, you get clarity for your life. You make right decisions. So it's so fascinating that this language is so important. It's because he's, he's not saying get drunk on the Spirit. So people say that and they're like, oh, I'm drunk in the Spirit. And then they do things that are crazy and it looks like a snake or a scorpion on a plate. No. You gain self-control. You gain clarity. You gain, you gain everything that you want when you get the Holy Spirit. He's not crazy. Right. And this is why I think we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not just on one baptism, which you get when you ask the Lord to come and he says, I'll give you the good gift. But I think it's a daily thing. Every day I ask the Holy Spirit, empty me of me and fill me with you. I need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit today because I need more clarity in my life. I need more power in my life. I need power daily from the Holy Spirit. So he is my source of power, and I would encourage you to use that language when you're talking about the He is my source of power. The second thing I want to share with you that he is is he is my helper. Amen. This is language all throughout the scripture, actually, and Jesus said in John 16, 7, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. This is in John sixteen seven. But if I go I will send him to you. It's better that I go. How crazy is that that Jesus is saying, yes, I could stay with you, but it's better if I leave because if I leave, there's one who will come after me who will be a helper to you. See, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He can be a helper to me and he can be a helper to you. In that language, the helper in the Greek is the word parakletos, which is a powerful word that means the one that comes alongside. It's the one who comes alongside you to help you make right judgment calls, to help you in moments that you need help, and in many other language. I mean, many other translations they use different words like the advocate or um, it uses the helper again or the counselor. And I want to just give you a few of those quickly under helper that he is to us. One is he is my counselor. That's a language that's used there. He's a counselor. What does a counselor do? A counselor makes known the heart of God and the thoughts of God to you. They counsel you in the right way. They counsel you in the direction that God wants. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says it this way. Now, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know the God's thoughts except God's own spirit. So if God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, knows God's thoughts for your life, who better to tell you God's thoughts than the counselor? When I need counsel in my life, I ask the Holy Spirit, what does God want in this moment? What's his heart on this issue? What is his thought on this? That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He is our helper as a counselor. He is my comforter. See, the King James Version would translate that word helper to comforter. And what does a comforter do? Like if you have a comforter on your bed, what do you do with it? you cover up with it, you snuggle up to it, it wraps around you, it keeps you warm, right? And this is one of his roles as he comes close to you in moments where you are needing comfort in your life. Second Corinthians 1.4 says that he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. And I I love to pray when when I know somebody is going through a painful loss, when they've lost someone in their family, when they've gone through a difficult time or they're struggling with something in their life, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would comfort them in this moment, that you would come close to them, that you'd wrap your arms around them, that they would feel your presence near. My family suffered a loss this Friday night. We lost my father-in-law, and I've prayed for the comforter so much since Friday night for my family and for many of you who've lost people as well. He is... The comforter that comes close. He is our companion. This is another word that helper means. It means companion. What is a companion? They're a friend you hang out with. There's someone you like to spend time with. There's someone that you fellowship with, that you get things from. Second Corinthians 13, 14, when Paul is closing his letter to the Corinthian church, he paints one of the best pictures of the role of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit here. He says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus And the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The message translation says, let the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. What a beautiful picture that God in his great love sent Jesus in grace to save us. And Jesus, because of his grace, sent the Holy Spirit to be our intimate friend. He's our companion. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. So whenever you need one of those things, go to the Holy Spirit and he'll give you more of that. He is our helper. The third one is he is my teacher. He's my teacher. Now the scripture says in John, Jesus is teaching his disciples this. He says in verse 14, chapter 14, verse 26, he says, the helper, in case you didn't know who that was, he says, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He was preparing his disciples saying, look, he is the teacher who's going to teach you of all things. This language would have been very important to them because the disciples called Jesus their teacher. Teacher, teach us about the word. Teach us about the scriptures. And, and many times Jesus would sit and, and talk about the scriptures with the disciples, and the Bible would talk about how he would open their minds to understand the scriptures. So, what Jesus was saying is, When I go, there's a helper coming who's going to open your mind to the scriptures. He's going to illuminate things that I have said in my word to you so that you'll understand it. So, if you don't understand the word of God, why not go to the author? He is the author that it was God breathed by the Holy Spirit. He knows what it means and how to apply it to your life. If you go to him and pray, God, help me to understand Holy Spirit. I'm about to read the word. Help me to understand what you want me to understand in it today. And he will illuminate it to you. And not only does he illuminate the scripture to you, he helps you to understand who Jesus is even more. Look at Ephesians 1, 17. Paul is praying this prayer. He says, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I'm asking Jesus that you would have his spirit so that he, you would know him even more. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to help us understand who Jesus is even more intimately. If you want to understand the scriptures this year better than you did last year, Before you start reading, just stop and say, Holy Spirit, help me to understand the scripture. Open it up, open my mind to understand what you want to say to me today. And I promise you, things will just start jumping off the page to you. Little phrases will be illuminated to you. You'll have a better understanding because he is the teacher. And then he is my gift giver. He's my gift giver. Now, we talk about in our step two, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, our spiritual gifts. He gives spiritual gifts to us. The passage for this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The gifts of the Holy Spirit to us are for the body of believers. They're for the common good of everyone. They're not just for us. In verse 8, it says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, another an utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to understand or distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. And then verse 11, he says, All of these are empowered by one spirit and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All of these gifts are gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they are for today for the believer. He gives everybody a gift. You've been given a spiritual gift for the common good of others. One mentioned there was prophecy. The people who are coming to our presbytery are just people who've been given this gift of the prophetic, operating in this gift in a normal way like we should in our body of believers. We should just be operating in our gifts by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, this is so fascinating to me. Not only is he the gift to me, but he is the one who continues to give through me. He's the gift that keeps on giving, right? You ever got a gift and it just keeps giving back to you? He is the gift that just keeps giving to you. All of these gifts are from him and empowered by him to build up and edify the body, to encourage us. What a powerful thing that the Holy Spirit does for us. He is my gift giver. And finally, this is one is one of my favorite ones, and that is he is my guide. He is my guide. See, I need a guide in this life. I mean, I'm not totally directionally challenged, but I like to have a guide when I'm going somewhere, right? I like to use my GPS to pull up directions, and I don't need, I don't need to look at the map. I just need you to tell me what the next step is, right? I I like to put it up even places I go on a regular basis. Now, my wife, when when we're traveling together, she likes to sit next to me and she likes to be the one that looks at it and she likes to be the one telling me all the directions. I don't know if it makes her feel powerful. I don't know (laughs) what it is, but I like it because I don't have to worry about it. I just listen to what she's saying. But you need a guide in your life because just like in a car, when I'm driving in my car and I have my GPS pulled up and it's giving me navigation, I'm trying to navigate life. I'm trying to navigate the road. All these other bad drivers that are out there, I'm trying to determine what they're going to do, how I can get out of their way, how I can navigate these lanes. I don't have time to look at a map and figure out what's going on. I got stuff coming at me nonstop. I just need the voice, I just need the prompt that says, in one mile, get in the far left lane so you can take this exit. I don't even need to know why I'm going to take the exit. I just need to get over and take the exit, right? I, I don't have to know every step along the way. I just need to know the next step. Because if I know every step along the way, I promise you what I'm going to do, well, that's not the fastest route. And I'm going to try to renavigate. But the GPS can see from a different angle than me. It's taking into account a lot more than I'm taking into account. And I will use the GPS in my car, by the way. Going places I go all the time, I know every direction there, but I don't know if there's been a wreck. I don't know if there's construction. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to be late, so I trust that whatever it's going to tell me is the right direction, and I'll end up in places I've never been before. It's just a part of the journey. But I get there, and I get there fast. And I've navigated some things in my life. And I'm just telling you, this is who the Holy Spirit is to you. He is the voice that gives you the prompt for the next step in your life. Look at what the scripture says here in John 16, 18. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's not going to lead you into the pitfalls of life. He's going to lead you around the pitfalls of life. He won't speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. I love that because it's like, oh, he's not rogue. He's not going rogue. He's listening to the voice of God. He's telling you what God is telling him to tell you, and he will tell you about the future. How powerful is that? You have access to someone who knows the future, who's going to tell you, hey, you don't see this coming later this month, but I need you to do this, and I'll tell you later why it's going to matter. And that's a part of what, just like in our GPS and our life, and I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to dumb it down so much, but he really is the guy that says, look, you don't understand that at this exit, the one you wanted to take, there's a 10-car pileup, and if you get stuck in that, your life's gonna be delayed a little bit. There's a pothole over here. There's something in the road that you're gonna have to swerve to miss, and it's gonna throw you off your course if you don't listen to me in this moment. The Holy Spirit is your guide that will tell you of things to come. He will tell you of the future. He will help navigate your life around the things that this world is throwing at you. You're processing tons of things. You don't have time to look at every step. You just got to say, what is the next step, Holy Spirit? And and trust that. Galatians 5.25 says that since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And The reason I share that with you is because I want you to know He cares about every part of your life. You think, well, that's not important. I don't need to ask him about this. Look, you need him to guide you in your marriage. You don't know the pitfalls ahead, especially if you're newly married. But if you've been married 30 years, you still don't know the pitfalls ahead. You need the Holy Spirit to guide you through your marriage. You need the Holy Spirit to guide you in how to talk to your kids, how to raise your kids. You need the Holy Spirit to guide you in your finances, to know what's coming. Lord, what do I need to prepare for that I don't even see coming? He can tell you things to come. He is your guide. So how... Can we practically put this into practice? How can, what are some practical things? And just quickly, I'm going to give you three things we can do, okay? One, you can wait on the Holy Spirit. You got to wait. Jesus told him to go and wait. How does that, what does that look like practically for us? Don't rush into your day without talking to him. Don't just get up and go so fast through Like I got to get to work. I got to on. Wait. Holy Spirit, I need power today. Holy Spirit, I need direction today. Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom today. Don't rush into that meeting at work not consulting the Holy Spirit. Don't rush into a frustration in your marriage thinking you know how to solve the problem. Don't rush into a disagreement going, I got this all worked out. I've already played out the scenarios. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Wait it starts with spending time with God and listening to his voice. That's why we're doing 21 days of prayer for you to kickstart that time so that you've already set aside that time the rest of the year to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Fill me with your power today. The second would be surrender to the Holy Spirit. When when he gives you direction, you don't want to take it. You have to surrender. When he says, take this exit, you're like, I don't like that exit. But you got to trust. I'm going to surrender my will to your will. I don't know the plans ahead. You do. So I have to surrender my life, my schedules, my relationships, my finances. I surrender to your guidance in that. I surrender to you. And then the third would be to rely on the Holy Spirit. We rely too much on our own strength. We rely too much on our own ability. When we have the Holy Spirit right here, who is our power and our strength in the wind, in our sails, he is the breath of God for us. The scripture says it's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, which means no strength you have is enough. You need his strength. So rely on him. He's here. He's a good gift. He's the gift of more if you'll just rely on him. And I just believe that the Lord wants us to take advantage of the gift of more in the Holy Spirit every day of our lives this year. I want to end this year full of the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit than I started with, trusting him more than I started trusting him this year and looking back, watching everything he's done in my life and saying, God, I'm trusting you. I'm leaning on you. And I just felt like maybe some of you, you just feel stuck in life. Maybe you came out of 2021 sputtering like your tank is empty and you just barely skid in through and you're like, all right, it's 2022. Now I got a whole year ahead of me, but I got no gas. I have no energy. I have no strength. I'm just, I just barely made it here. I felt some of you maybe feel like that today, like you're just struggling in that area or maybe you're, you feel like a boat in the middle of the water and there's, there's no wind so you're not going anywhere. You're just sitting out there and you feel stuck and you don't have any zip in your life. You don't have any pep in your life. You're not excited about things in your life and God's saying, if you'll let me, if you'll let the Holy Spirit. Blow on the sails of your life. If you'll let the wind of God fill your lungs, fill your life, He will propel you forward for what He has for you. He's the wind of God that when we're stuck in life, He breathes on us and we get motion to our life and we're going in the direction that He has for us today. And I don't want you to live your life that way this year. Struggling into Sunday, hoping to get a puff of air, like a spiritual asthmatic, you're just coughing all week long and He's saying, ah, that breath is available to you every day every day. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill me today. He's not weird. He's not crazy. He's the gift of more. And you can have him every single day. How many of you would say today, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit every single day of my life, full of his power, full of his wisdom, full of his guidance. If that's you, I want us to stand together at both campuses. And even if you're joining us online, I want you to, if that's your prayer, I want you to posture yourself to receive. Because what I want to do is I want to take a moment and just pray and ask God to fill us fresh with His Holy Spirit today. And so if you have the liberty, and as we're praying, if you just want, if you have the liberty to do so, would you just lift your hands like this? This is just a sign of a funnel. It's actually a sign of surrender that says, God, I I surrender to you. We're going to be like a funnel and receive the Holy Spirit today. So God, I just thank you for the gift of the holy spirit i want to thank you every day that you didn't leave us orphans you didn't leave us alone that you said it's to our advantage that you go because we can have the holy spirit with us every single day and so lord i ask for everybody who's asking today you just interact with the holy spirit and say fill me fresh today i pray god you would breathe your life into people breathe your wind into their sails god those who feel empty today fill their tank god Fill him with power, God. Fill him with wisdom, God. I pray this year you would guide us into all truth, God. And that we would access you every single day, God. And say, we surrender our lives to you. We're going to wait on you. We're going to surrender to you. And we're going to rely on you. And I pray right now you would just fill each and every one of us a fresh filling, a fresh fire, a fresh anointing, a fresh oil for the life that you have for us. Not just this day, but all year long, God. We're so excited for what you want to do in and through us today. She would get the glory in our lives. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we just. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text YESCARD to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We want to come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.